from the Ripe and Ready Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another lycopene rich episode of chemical free horticultural hygiene. You bet your garden. Tomatoes are America's favorite fruit, right? So they must be the easiest to grow. Wrong. Tomato treachery lurks behind every hot pepper. I'm Mike McGrath, and on today's You Bet Your Garden, we'll discuss the number one cause of tomato troubles and how to easily avoid it. And, of course, we'll take lots of your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and furiously fine fulminations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here at Cats and Kittens, because it's all coming up faster than the next-door neighbor yelling, Don't plant there! Right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural, organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to another thrilling and brand new episode of You Bet Your Garden, broadcasting from the Univest Public Media Center. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Before we get into too much uh, extra trouble, I want to mention that I will be back on the road for a very short period of engagements in June. So if you are interested in um, (laughs) seeing what I look like, God bless you. But uh, we'll have details on those coming up. In the meantime, what are we doing this week? Tomatoes! Tomatoes! If you have done everything right and your tomatoes have turned out terribly wrong, we can help you, although we can't help you forget the previous 20 years of your not knowing it. At any rate, we're also going to take lots of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Julie, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it. I'm a huge fan of your show. Oh, how big are you? (laughs) Listen, this is the lowest class of comedy you're going to find anywhere, you know. (laughs) Just get dan, da, dan, da, dan, da. I'm also getting senile, which I find to be um, almost fun. But anyway, um, <laughs> where are you? I'm in Columbia, Maryland. Oh, the great planned community. Yeah, we. Yes. My wife. You've and, heard of us. Oh, my wife and I managed to get tickets to see Carly Simon. At the uh, Murrayweather Post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was one of the most. Just down the road. Yeah. It was one of the most amazing shows we had ever seen. Because, you know, Carly doesn't perform. You know, she comes out like once every four months for groceries and does two shows. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I, <laughs> I know Columbia, Maryland real well. All right. Now we're going to reveal that you are not a stranger to us. Why would you do that? Come on, come in on my uh, paperwork here, guys. There you go. What, is it upside down or something? No. Anyway, um, you had your, you either had your soil tested, uh, I'm sorry, your um, bulk compost tested, 
or it came with paperwork? The the local county or county um, produces compost that you can buy from the county. Mm-hmm. Um, but they post the lab reports just online. They they test it regularly and they post them just on the internet. Okay. And um, what? Um, go ahead. Uh, what? Go ahead, and then I talk. <laughs> what composting facility I, is it? It's just the the Howard County, Maryland. Um, it might be the Alpha Ridge facility, but well, um, I think it's just the Howard County compost facility. Boy, you're breaking my heart. Before the pandemic hit, <laughs> no, seriously, I would be invited to come down on International Compost Day and give a talk, and the facility would give out free samples, go over the test results, and I had held them up as like a shining star. Um, but you said, yeah, you know, and let's be honest, right? How, what percent of this information is totally useless or written in a foreign language. Well, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand the report very well, which is, which is why I wrote in. The, in particular, the fecal matter seemed very high, and I didn't know whether that was. I got was, you circled. Is that like animals? An, is that animal fecal matter? Is that human fecal matter? Human. Um, and it, does that fecal matter? Is that fecal matter safe for ornamental plants? Is I assume it's not safe for growing vegetables. You know, so this, I, I just wasn't really sure how to read it. This is an interesting misconception, okay? Uh, the amount of fecal matter that is allowed in good compost is under 1,000 MPN over G. I, I should know what that is over gram. Um, multiple... Pure old unit, I don't know. But anyway, it's supposed to be under a thousand, and yours tests out at 2,400. So, as you can imagine, throughout time, plants have grown naturally um, seeking out poop. You know, the whole thing of cattle ranching is they eat the grass, they poop, they feed the grass. Um, there are you know, this is a cycle of nature. I, I talked before on the show about how birds eat hot peppers and poop them uh, later on when they're done eating the flesh. And But they could not um, germinate the seeds unless they went through this high-level nitrogen fecal matter. Uh, but in in our world, fecal matter at this level could only be two things. One, they're rerouting a lot of cow manure from factory farms. But I'll even tell you right now, um, cows don't have high fecal matter. They're, they're pretty low and cold on all the different scales. So I'm thinking you got biosolids. You know, bi- oh. biosolids are what's left after they clean yeah. all the, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, after they clean all the crap out of our water. And <laughs> then um, biosolids become this incredibly complex amount of soil-like media. Um, there should be a way to recycle this stuff safely, but a lot of times it is not 
and of course, you're not allowed to use biosolids in um, organic gardening at all, period, nothing. And, but this amount is extremely high. So I'm so glad you called because one of the things I want to get across is this has nothing to do with your plants. It has to do with your health and your soil health and the health of your local water. Um, Biosolids should never be handled uh, with bare hands. Um, admittedly, if the nitrogen content is high enough, biosolids make a great uh, fertilizer for sweet corn. Um, but you don't wanna be using this in a home garden where even with gloves, you're handling the product. It is, it's two and a half times the maximum that you're supposed to have. Now, did you buy a bunch? I, no, I hadn't bought any yet. So I'm really Great. glad I, I asked first. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, and I was, and, and you always said, you, you said to, you know, check the lab test. So that's why I was checking the lab test. So you did, you did everything I was following right. following your advice. <laughs> there is a group called the Composting Council. I want you to go to their website and investigate this. But uh, a couple of other things I noticed reading over this uh, Sanskrit is that the compost wasn't finished. It was, it was still raw. And that's not right. Oh. Yeah. You know, so okay. there's a lot of things, huh. a lot of things that I don't like here. Um, but thank you for not okay. buying it. If anybody does have compost or anything like that with a high fecal uh, coliform level, uh, you know, do what you want, but don't touch it and try to keep it away from waterways and pets and everything like that. This, you're exactly correct. This should not be. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank right. you. For thank, you. <laughs> thank you for being proactive. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again. I love your show. I've been listening to you for years. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everyone of my ongoing concerns about feeding birds in the spring and summer. The high concentration of birds and their poop in the feeders seems to have caused a wicked eye disease and sometimes death. Put out fresh water instead. That's what they really need. But don't go taking down your feeders just yet because we'll be right back with a treatise on proper tomato construction and more of your fabulous phone calls. You're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling and all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I am still your host, Mike McGrath. Uh, Coming up later in the show, we're going to get you started on proper tomato planting. In the meantime, in between time, it's time for another of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Julianne? Welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you? Did I get your name right? Yes, Julianne is my name. Julianne. Okay. Very good. They couldn't uh, couldn't decide on one, so they boxed two of them together, right? (laughs) Exactly. All right. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm Ducky. Ducky's just been waiting (laughs) for his cue to come on, Just, just in case there's somebody out there who still thinks I have a shred of sanity left. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, and w- where are you? I'm in Glenside, just out like about a half hour outside of Philadelphia. I know Glenside. There's a train station there. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay. All right. What can we do? Um, what can we do for you? So we have a situation in our backyard. Uh, we live in this house for a couple years now, and about a year in, I noticed there's this really lovely little yellow flower that's uh, coming up first thing in the spring, mm-hmm. early, early spring. And I came to realize, you know, oh, this is something really invasive. And I'm really interested in native plants. So I looked it up more, find out what it is, and um, find out it's an invasive plant called Ficaria verna, or I think also lesser salandine. Mm-hmm. And realized, okay, this is not something I want to take over my entire yard and become a huge presence here. I grow a lot of native plants, and I have um, rain-fed gardens, and it's just something I wanted to kind of 
put a stop to if I could. So when searching for information, the conventional advice was Roundup. And that includes information from, you know, state extension websites. That's kind of where I was mainly looking, like State Department uh, websites some... about controlling larger, yeah. There's some state extension websites who uh, recommend Roundup for knocking in your car. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, so there there was the option to Roundup. Well, I don't want to do that. Another option is Dig It Up, which it's a big area of our backyard, about 30 feet wide, 15 feet uh, deep. And the thing about the Cary Averna is it reproduces three ways. By, I want to say it's bulbs, also can be seed. Also, um, by spreading, I forget the exact term. But anyway, mm-hmm. so you, you could dig it up and miss a little bit, and it comes right back. So I found a few state extension websites that said, well, we don't know as much about this, but you could try burying it. And I thought about no dig garden, you know, no dig gardening, no till gardening. I thought, well, let's try that. So I brought in enough high-quality compost to bury it with a foot of compost. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, we're getting to the, you know, beginning of spring fairly soon here, end of winter. I'm going to find out pretty soon, did that work? I think it probably has at least helped. And the issue really, my question really is, I don't know what to do with this area now. I have this whole big old area of brown compost, and it's soil that I feel like I don't want to disturb because I don't want to create any pathway for the Ficaria verna to emerge again. Mm-hmm. And my, it's not a full sun area, though, which... So my best thought so far was, well, I can create like a strip of like a wildflower planting where I'm like, you know, sowing seed. Um, so it's not much soil disturbance happening there, but it's not a full sun area. And it's kind of, you know, got morning sun, a little afternoon sun. And I always think wildflowers, full sun, I'm sure I could find some that still work for that purpose. But I would love to get your advice on the situation what you might do with an area like this. How wet is it? It is an area of the yard that used to be a little, little bit lower, and a little water would gather there. When, but now, I've, now that I've piled a foot of compost, yeah, it's well, a that's higher, it's that's a different. Drier. You, you know, that's going to outlive you and me. The compost, uh, lesser celandine which was considered in the 18th century to be the most beautiful flower in the world, is, uh, is a natural cultivator of wet soils that is excellent at preventing erosion. It really won't survive in dry soils. Mostly it's, it's found in bogs and other places like that. So, you know, and... Don't feel bad because many gardeners, um, you know, they got a hammer so everything looks like a nail. And you're reacting as if as if this was a normal plant and it's not. It is a tremendously beautiful, you have to admit, springtime plant, right? It is pretty. And it is pollinator super friendly. Pollinators feed on those early flowers when there's not a lot else around to feed on. Plus, it uh, it prevents erosion. It prevents it prevents that wet spot from getting wetter or just sinking into Atlantis. Um, what's the problem with having a beautiful spring flower come up that 
feeds pollinators, looks gorgeous, <laughs> and stabilizes your backyard. You make it sound nicer, <laughs> and I think it, no, you're right. It is pretty. Uh, well, there's a couple factors. One, I'm worried. So I know this is a plant that if it somehow gets transferred into like other areas that might maybe a, like a foresty type area, um, it is something that is unwanted in those situations. You don't want it kind of taking over areas. Um, where other native plants would like to live. Now, I'm in a backyard in the suburbs. Do I care as much about that? Well, maybe more than your average person because I like native plants so much. But the other sort of age-old story is I have neighbors. And I had a neighbor come and say, well, what are you going to do about that? I don't want that growing in my yard. Because it, it was something where well, we then to tell them to all. That, right. Then tell them <laughs> to drain their yard. The answer to celandine is to have the soil aerated and perhaps even to have drain tiles installed and take away the habitat and the plant will disappear naturally. And you should okay. never, by the way, use any kind of Roundup near any kind of water or dampness. It's the results exactly. are tragic. So right. what, what I'm going to suggest is... Um, you, cons you consult with a landscaper and ask him if he'll play rope-a-dope. Rather than attack the plant directly, change the conditions that make it the plant for that spot. You may like native plants all you want, but really what counts is the right plant for the right place. You think Jefferson yeah. and, and Washington, the founding gardeners, cared where a plant came from? No, no, I don't. <laughs> they wanted they wanted to put it in the right spot, and um, I'll tell you two stories. Ugh. Guys in the control room just had a fit. Uh, the late Bob Rodale, I was having lunch with him, and he said, "You know, the worst thing about organic gardeners is they still have this desire to dominate their environment rather than working mm -hmm. with it." And then this other story goes back to when we were first on the air. I was on the air in, uh, at WHYY at the old mm -hmm. studio to see how far back I'd go. And we were live on Saturday mornings. And this woman calls up, and she's part of some native plant group. And they had just spent three days clearing out lesser celandine from a creek bed. Now, oh, wow. the, the, the building was so old, I could hear the rain pouring down. And I'm going, ah, uh, ah, uh, and what did you plant in its place? And she goes, oh, nothing. We're going to let native plants come in on uh -huh. their own and cultivate it. And I said, you just are responsible for an ecological war crime. Yeah. All that erosion. That's a good point. You know, so... You, you don't want to do anything drastic until you know what you're going to replace it with. So what I would suggest, I think your best bet, um, you know, I would love to have a patch of lesser celandine in my yard. Um, but if you don't want it, have a, uh, a good landscaper aerate the soil to drain it. And then if it's still wet and they have ways of measuring this, um, put in drain tiles that will take the water away from your area. Then okay. you have them drive deep edging around the uh, edge of the celandine right now. 
And first of all, that's going to be, oh, no, that's deliberate. That's, you know, it's a hugely important plant. Um, but that'll also keep it from spreading. And as the area stays dry or dries out more, um, it'll vanish on its own because it won't have a place to live. Okay. All right? Well, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank Good luck. Thank you for the gardening advice and the life lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the, and the stupid jokes, but you know, what can we do? Yeah. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Jen, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. How you doing, Jen? Oh, I'm freezing in Rhode Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm freezing in Pennsylvania. But as we tape this show, it's going to be 60 tomorrow. Oh, well, not here. Lucky you. Yeah. I'm, no, lucky me. I got five and a half inches of snow when they had called for flurries. So, no. Oh, I know. We got the same thing. Just kept going. Very good. What can we do you for? Being a kind of lazy gardener, I left you know, all my plants in my garden bed last year, and they're still there. Um, My kids were out there rummaging, and my five-year-old decided to to harvest or pick, I guess, some of the uh, beans from my scarlet runner bean plant. Right. And he took them in all on his own. He got one of my pots that already had soil in it. I don't know what kind of soil it had in it down in my basement. (laughs) He planted the seed. Yeah. and it grew. He asked me, he asked, so he asked me for a grow light. So I did, you know, at the time, I didn't even know if it was going to work, but I gave him a grow light and it grew. But, you know, this started growing, you know, January. So this thing is growing. It's growing really well. And he loves it. He's very excited about it. And, he, you know, he wants it to survive. He wants to plant it in my garden. Oh, good know, Lord. Yes. I, How old is he? He's five. Oh, my goodness, a future gardener yes. of America. What's his name? Jackson. Jackson. Is he there? Yes. May I speak? He's here, yes. Hi. Hi, Jackson. I hear you did something really special. I love your scarlet runner bean, okay? Thanks. Okay. Put your mom back on, please. Hey, put your mom back on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so he was very excited about this thing. Yeah. But now I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to either get this thing to survive until whatever June. I don't know if I should take the light off because it's... I no, it's no, no. Don't take the light growing. off. Okay. It's just like a little plastic four-inch pot. I'm going to suggest you get a good-sized pot with good drainage. Okay. And then I think the smartest thing, rather than transplant would be to score uh, the pot that it's in. Um, You know, take scissors or a sharp knife and uh, run with them. No. Um, (laughs) And make slits down all four sides. Then then fill your new container with um, a mixture of Nice seed starting, potting soil, organic, um, mm-hmm. some compost if you got it, and some perlite, mm-hmm. and okay. you, and fill it most like equal parts of all that. What what did I say? Compost, potting soil, uh, mostly compost yep. and potting soil with a nice dose of perlite. 
Okay, and it's a seed starter mix, you said, right? Yes. Seed starting mix is, is nice and light and good for this kind of a okay. situation. Okay, so then you're okay. going to mostly fill up your new pot. I'm going to suggest a 15-inch pot if you can handle it. Okay. And, yeah. and um, fill it most of the way up. Leave a little hole in the center and then drop the scored pot down into the center um, and okay. keep the soil line the same. Okay. Now, do you harvest your end-of-the-season beans? Uh, that was the first year I grew that oh. plant, um, and so I didn't even think twice about it. I hadn't been out to my garden, and they were just out there, my kids, and, you know, you came in with a bunch of beans. So Yeah. Aren't they I, I beautiful? Thinking like, oh, I guess I should have saved them and not complained them again. I didn't even think of it myself. Honestly. Oh yeah, you never have to buy those twice. Aren't the seeds stunningly beautiful? Oh, they're gorgeous, gorgeous. Like the purple with the spots. It's, oh, it's just beautiful. It, it it is. It's the most beautiful seed I know. So yeah, me too. I love them. Um, it so with the, with the pot, I, I'm go just, ahead cutting down i'm not taking i'm not trying to like peel it down and put it just just cut it and not cut the bottom just correct cut it and leave yeah it. the, the okay. um the roots will find their own way okay and um at the uh you know in early in the season you can eat them like string beans but if you oh you can okay yeah because if you the time i saw them they were really thick yeah <laughs> okay well that's fine too because then you want to leave them on the plant until the seed pods turn brown, and then take off all the seed pods and inside of your seeds for next season. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that again. I guess, I guess apparently it's very easy. <laughs> I didn't have to do it myself. Oh, well, this is astounding. Uh, a five-year-old. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, please keep in touch. It is great. All right, perfect. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you for sharing. What a charming story. That's fabulous. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and warn everybody out there not to buy bulk soil or compost without running a simple two-step test you can do at home. And please don't allow a landscaper to layer your property with chipped-up pallets dyed in some ghastly color unknown to nature. But don't go reading the numerous articles on how to test bulk soils and why you shouldn't use wood mulch just yet, because we'll be right back to produce the perfect, perfect tomato. I'm Perfect Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org.
welcome back to another thrilling all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're on the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we will begin a multi-part treatise guaranteed to give you the greatest tomatoes on the block. But, of course, that's going to be after a couple more of your phone calls. David, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. It's great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you, David. Sorry to (laughs) make you have to listen to, like, half the show go by. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So, uh, what's up? Where are you? How you doing? I am in Alexandria, Virginia. I know it well. Yes. And I have a question about uh, bare root seedlings. Oh, are we talking Arbor Day babies? Uh, nope. It's a, it is a local uh, county uh, government organization that has mm-hmm. an annual uh, bare root native seedling sale every spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and they're basically uh, six trees of three species. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I've been looking to add some trees to my backyard to increase natural habitat. Mm-hmm. So when the, the day of the sale, I logged in to see what was what was being offered, and right. all of the trees that were being sold were on my wish list. So I bought them. What'd you get? And um, it's uh, two American hornbeam. Excellent. Uh, Canadian service berry. Oh, excellent. And yeah, and winterberry holly. So you know what you're doing. Yes, they're three really great trees. Um, but they're bare root, and ha- are they at least six inches tall? Well, I don't know. I guess I'll find out in a couple of weeks. Oh, right, right. You <laughs> haven't are, uh, picked them up. Yeah, they're apparently grown by uh, Virginia Forestry Service, I believe, and then the county buys them from Virginia Forestry Service to, mm-hmm. you know, to sell them as part of the sale. Um, so my the, the trick is the timing's not exactly what I planned. I figured I would be... Uh, spending the summer finding the trees I wanted and plant them in the fall, which is, you know, I think generally the recommendation for when to plant uh, new trees. That's correct. And I have some, uh, I guess, a minor construction zone in my yard currently because I'm getting a new shed delivered and built. Mm-hmm. And I want a shed. Be, I don't know. have a shed. I should have. <laughs> I should have a shed. I figured you had several sheds. Well, yeah, but we call those rooms of the house. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, I think you're right on the money. Um, what you're thinking about doing is called healing in. Um, sometimes, for instance, the tree will be a year or two old, and you'll have mm-hmm. to um, move it for construction. Um, in this case, you're kind of in the catbird seat. Uh, what you want to do is get how tall. Oh, you don't know how tall the trees are. I would still get big pots. I would get 17-inch pots with good drainage, saturate them completely, and then plant the bare root trees. Remember not to plant deeply. The trees that don't fall over are the ones that you can see the roots on the surface of the soil. And then, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of up to you. 
I, I would say don't plant them in full blazing sun because they can get hot where you are in July. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dappled shade. But again, if they're in 17-inch pots, you can move them around if, if that's your idea of a good time. And then, <laughs> and then you are absolutely correct. Uh, the time to plant is in the fall. I'm going to say September, but October wouldn't be terrible. Okay. That was easy. And what do you... What do you recommend as far as the, like, not dirt, but the potting medium to put in these pots? Half professional, non-chemical potting soil and half compost. Okay. Maybe with some perlite. How could I forget my perlite? you got to throw in some perlite. (laughs) I think I I have all of that stuff. Okay. Perfect. And another question is kind of related to this is one of the areas that that I'll be planting the trees is a zoysia grass lawn, and I know zoysia grass can be a little um, a little tough to get rid of. You think it's so from how, Krypton, <laughs> right? But so how much trouble am I going to have with this zoysia grass and these, you know, kind of uh, very small trees? Um, first of all, uh, you're going to wait till the zoysia grass loses all of its green and turns tan. Then okay. you're going to plant, well, oh, this is when, um, this is afterwards, right, um, in the fall. Um, yeah, by then, it'll lose all its green color. It's dormant. So um, you can do two things. Um, well, you can really only do one thing is uh, drop, them into the, drop them into the ground in the right spot at the right height, and hopefully they'll coexist. You know, the trees will be rooting and developing some biomass over the winter. And by the time your zoysia grass greens up in, what, June, the trees will be well established. Right. The trees will be well established. Okay. All right, man? Okay. That sounds good. Good luck to you. All right. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Take care. All right. Bye. Well, it is time for the question of the week. Tomatoes. It's all about the rotation. Same with the twist. Tina in Woodbourne, Kentucky writes, Hey, Mike, I have a memory of a show last fall where you gave really logical reasons for not leaving your tomato plants in the same spot for three years. But I've been re-listening to the podcasts and searching the questions all week to no avail. Am I confused about this? Maybe. (laughs) First, a reminder of the easiest way to resolve most of your questionable issues is to go to the show's official website, youbetyourgarden.org, and click on the archive of frequently asked questions you will magically be transported to a page of unicorns, mermaids, and previous questions of the week that Gardens Alive kindly maintains for us. I just went there to check it out, and tomato rotation typed into the search, and tomato rotation typed into the search box yielded no results. Then I thought, keep it simple, and just entered the word tomatoes, and up came over a dozen recent articles, 
most of them including warnings about the all-important three-year rotation. I will now plunge into the details. Otherwise, this article will turn into a treatise on how to use a phone book. There are soil-borne wilts, that's the real name, in just about all of our dirt. Verticillium is prominent in cold climes, with fusarium taking over in the south and west. These wilts occur naturally, and really nothing can be done about them. They are pathogens in the soil that attach themselves to the roots of susceptible plants, but not just tomatoes. The Morton Arboretum in Illinois reports that some trees are also victimized, including maples and magnolias. These pathogens attach themselves to the roots of susceptible plants and essentially plug up the pipes that transport water throughout the plant. Here's how it works with tomatoes. Year one in soil that had not previously grown tomatoes. Let's designate the area in which you will intern this first tomato seedling as planting spot X, because it just sounds so cool. The first season in spot X should be problem-free, unless you or the hornworms manage to screw it up, or should I say seem to be problem-free. Underground, the pathogens are already getting to know those attractive roots and begin to colonize them. By the end of this first season, you may notice a little bit of yellowing on the lowest leaves of the plant. No problem! But make sure to remove any discolored leaves promptly. It may slow down the progression. More importantly, it makes your neighbors think you're a better gardener than reality might allow. How come their tomatoes don't have any yellow leaves? Well, because they have many fewer leaves, but none of them are yellow. At the end of the season, remove the entire plant, being sure to get rid of all the roots. Trash it all. Do not compost it. Now you have to remember where that first spot X was for the following season. If you're growing indeterminate tomatoes, these are tall plants that grow all season long and can reach 14 feet or higher, I strongly recommend welded wire tomato cages supported by several metal stakes or lengths of rebar. Always remember, stake the cage, not the tomato. I'll go into more cagey details next week. But in brief, you cut six-foot lengths of welded wire fencing, not chicken wire, in your driveway. Form them into cylinders. Place one of these cylinders over each baby plant and then secure them with your stakes. Yeah, they're tiny now, but each adult plant could still be loaded down with 40, 50 pounds of fruit by August. So make sure that cage don't blow over in the wind. Double bonus. Each cage that is built to our precise instructiones 
is approximately two feet wide, which is perfect for a tall tomato plant. Allow a full foot of open space all around the outskirts of the cages, and you have an intensive planting with enough room for good airflow between those plants for disease prevention. We move on to October. Getting frostbite is not gardening. Pull up your plants and one, just leave the cages in place, or two, fill the non-empty cages with shredded fall leaves so you'll have the world's finest mulch in the spring. Let's go back to this priceless Spot X in season two. I say go for it. Grow them. Empty out the cages and reserve the leaves. Plant this year's tomato right on X marks the spot, being careful not to nick or otherwise injure the plant. Be a little heavy-handed with water as the plants are now impaired in their ability to drink it. Pull discolored leaves promptly. There's going to be a lot more of them this season, which is good. Removing discolored leaves at the base of a crowded plant allows more precious airflow to the base where all things happen. And your neighbors will be even more jealous. (laughs) Mulch heavily with the shredded leaves you collected and plan your move to the next new X season. Nobody gets away with three years in a row. You plant them there and they're dead by July. So pick a new spot at least three feet away and use heavy-duty stakes to remind you to plant something else. Well, that sure was an exhaustive look at proper tomato planting, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, you can read this masterpiece over at your leisure or your leisure, because the question of the week always appears in print at the Gardens Live website. Just click the link for the website, which is still and will forever be, you bet your garden, dot O-R-G. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Live website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to spread verticillium on my Romas from Venice. If I don't get out of this studio, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888 492 9444. Or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Why don't you include your location? Include your location. It's important. Okay, I have no idea where you are. You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows, informative details about my two upcoming live events, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at the website, youbetyourgarden.org. 
You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Crazy Diamond Mike McGrath was created when he defied Pink Floyd's instructions not to stare at the sun. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is, he is always, has anybody seen Charlie in a bad mood? That engineer is cheerful. Charlie, Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and ponder lots of beautiful pictures at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Teresa Radke. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director of direction is Javier Diaz. Our usual gang of idiots include Zach the Tech with Snesky and Jacob Morris, plus occasional appearances by Eric Warner, Carlin Canfield, and Rex the Wonder Dog. Our beloved and beleaguered CEO Tim Fallon is going to grow much better tomatoes this season. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and if the folks on the second floor keep playing golf, <laughs> I'll see you again next week and the week after that and the week after that.